Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And I want to go right to the phones because I want to make sure I give this man plenty of time. He's with Tightline Outdoors. He does a lot of their bass fishing, but he's an all-around angler, fishes a lot of the metro lakes, and he's a tremendous uh, source of information, Matt Ensley. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well, and I'll tell you what, you know, we always talk during the early spring the walleyes are starting, the crappies are going to be staging, the bass are in pre-spawn. We're getting close to where this warm weather is going to push us to the summer peak, and we're going to see tremendous warm water fishing, aren't we? The summer peak starts in May, starts it, around the middle of May, and we're almost there, and transitions the latter part of May into June. And uh, it's a spectacular time to go fishing in Colorado because almost every lake turns on then. Yeah, so what are you seeing out there now? Especially, I know you wanted to cover the walleyes and the bass. What are you seeing? Let's do the walleye first. What are you seeing out there? So the walleye bites have been uh, very good. Cherry Creek is on absolutely on fire and has been for over a month. Uh, most of the walleye are still in the basin areas where they've moved right after the spawn. They're done spawning, and uh, they're feeding up aggressively uh, deep, 24 feet, say, for example, at Cherry Creek. Depends on the depth of the body of water, Chatfield, they'll be a little deeper. And those patterns have been primarily trolling with lead core or get your baits down to the bottom in deeper water, and they're catching tons of legal-sized walleye right now. Yeah, well, you know, and this is the time of the year. Um, you still have some of those big females mingled in, and there's uh, an 18-inch male is a fairly large male walleye, but they do grow that big, especially with the food base we have here in Colorado. And early in the year, with those aggressive males, which are a little easier to catch, you can uh, you can catch some nice keeper fish before they get called through. Is that what you find too? Correct. Uh, Chatfield's been uh, excuse me, Cherry Creek, uh, not Chatfield. Cherry Creek has been producing. Uh, limits of walleye on crankbaits, uh, primarily in the deep basin area, trolling lead core in small crankbaits, either a flicker shad or a, a, a shad shad wrap, and uh, salmo is another another bait they've been doing quite well. But it is transitioning to the shallow parts of the lakes, uh, structure areas, flats, uh, roadbeds, humps, points. That transition is beginning to occur right now, so people are starting to pick up some fish using bait, and that will be the, the pattern going forward by the end of the month, uh, using bottom bouncers in, in shallow water, anywhere from 5 to 15 feet of water uh, with a slow death hook, a night crawler, a lindy rig, a split shot rig, um, and jigs and crawlers will, will also be working. You know, I love this time of the year when they transition shallow, and I... I'm willing to accept the fact that I'm going to catch a few less big fish, but the action can really turn on. And as as effective as trolling is, I love to troll. When I fish uh, major tournaments, if you couldn't troll crankbaits, you couldn't compete in the walleye circuits. But if I could 
put a jigging rod in my hand, even if I catch a little less fish when they get on these points. And I know live bait is still the best way, but I'll take a gulp minnow or something, and I'll fish all day for a few less bites, but just to feel that tick and that lighter tackle and to land those fish, and you can still have these 20, 30 fish days on lakes like Cherry Creek. That's just a fun way to fish, Matt. It, it absolutely is. I, I like to use the the cover water presentations like a bottom bouncer or a lindy rig, something of that nature, to cover the water. And as you go through an area and start to pick up bites, turn around, go back through that area, anchor the boat, and start throwing a jig. And sometimes you can absolutely load the boat with walleye. We did that last year, and we had a group uh, on the water, uh, uh, father and son. They caught 210 walleye on a jig and a piece of nightcrawler. Yeah, Just by doing exactly that, anchoring the boat and throwing jigs. And I don't know how many times I've done that, and I'm and I'm I don't want to poo-poo the bottom bouncer because I think more walleyes are caught in western reservoirs on a bottom bouncer than almost everything else put together, because with a little bit of understanding and training. Uh, most people can learn to fish it really effectively. And it just, once those fish, like you said, get in that 15-foot kind of range, it really is a deadly presentation. So are, are you, do you lean towards more night crawlers? Do you use any of the artificials when you're pulling a bottom bouncer? Do you use leeches or do you wait for the water warms up? What's your favorite presentation there? So the night crawler will, will take over and be the primary bait, but leeches can sometimes outproduce a night crawler. Once the fish begin to see a lot of night crawlers, sometimes switching to a leech with the same type of presentation, uh, either bottom bouncer, split shot rig. A split shot rig is a finesse presentation, which you troll very slowly, half a mile an hour, put a few split shot, shallow water, 10 feet or less, and that's where those fish are going to be. And sometimes coming through with a heavy bottom bouncer doesn't produce. Try a split shot, get it away from the boat, and just slowly drag a leech or, or a uh, night crawler, and you will continue to catch fish. And you also mentioned a Lindy rig. Now, a Lindy rig takes a little bit of understanding, but once you, once you get the feel of it, because you, your, your line is usually held in your finger, your spool is open, you've got your – and I always call – Lindy rigs, while you do cover water, they're not really trolling. You're actually using the boat to kind of just reposition the presentation. But that, once you get into fish, it's almost deadly in almost any species of fish. It is because they don't feel the weight. When the fish picks up your bait, you flip, let your finger go like you were describing and uh, feed them line for a second or two, reel down and set the hook. The fish doesn't feel any kind of resistance when they take the bait. Let's switch up gears. Um, the water is finally starting to warm up to some fairly significant temperatures. What are you seeing from the bass, both large and smallmouth? I know you fish some of the better bass lakes in the state. It's one of your fortes, one thing you do really well. Uh, what, what are we seeing? I, I'm sure it's different from lake to lake. Pre-spawn, staging, what are we seeing? So in your smaller bodies of water, like the ponds north of town, Quincy Reservoir here in the metro area, those lakes, uh, fish have already moved to beds, and they come in on waves um, weekly. So the first wave has begun. There's fish in one to five feet of water, and they are on beds in, in large numbers in the smaller bodies of water. Larger bodies of water or smallmouth lakes are a few weeks behind that. 
they will begin to spawn probably by the end of May and uh, all throughout the uh, first half of June. Um, Aurora, for example, is a, a great smallmouth lake. The smallmouth are staging. So all, if you have a larger body of water, the smallmouth and largemouth are still staging in that 8 to 15 feet of water, waiting to move to the banks to spawn. In smaller bodies of water, Quincy and all of the ponds north of town, they're already on beds, numbers of fish. Now, people will poo-poo bass fishing in Colorado. They say, well, we're a trout state, and, well, we do have pretty good walleyes, but when I go bass fishing, I go to Kansas or Texas or something. Anybody who overlooks the quality of bass fishing, especially the way it's evolved, say, the last 10 years in this state is really missing out, aren't they? They certainly are, and particularly the smallmouth. They're such a special fish. I mean, Aurora holds the state record. Uh, there are six pound plus, and I believe uh, a new state record swimming around in there that somebody's going to catch that's over seven pounds. Those are huge smallmouth anywhere in the world that you go. If you catch a smallmouth four to six pounds, it's a monster. Largemouth bass fishing in our smaller bodies of water um, and ponds, like I said, north of town is absolutely excellent for three to six pound largemouth bass. It's a special treat, and uh, get out right now because you can walk the banks, see the fish roaming the banks because they're trying to spawn, and throw uh, a Cinco or a drop shot rig. Uh, More than 60 or 70 percent of those fish you see will bite. Yeah, and this is the time of the year, too. You mentioned the Cinco or drop shot. Does your presentation change from a boat or from shore? Now, the smallmouth, I I use a lot of... uh, grubs and tubes it's just that's been ingrained in me i'm not out saying they're even the best but i catch a lot on them so i have faith in them the largemouth bass this time of the year i use a lot of uh cinco's and four inch straight tail worms and i'll i'll uh i'll transition but those are my go-to baits what are besides the two you mentioned do you have some other presentations that are just go-to this time of the year and then coming up over the next few weeks Sure. The light Texas rig creature baits, uh, creature baits uh, is, is a generic term, but what they resemble is a crayfish on the bottom crawling along. And if it's Texas rigged, you can crawl it through the grass and any kind of cover that might be next to the bank. And those bass are roaming around the, the, that cover right now. I bet I saw uh, yesterday, I was on the lake and I saw over 100 bass in less than a foot of water just cruising the bank. So uh, the the uh, Sticko, Cinco bait, Sticko is the Bass Pro, Pro Shop uh, version of uh, uh, a fat, uh, salt-impregnated worm that's weightless. And in that shallow water, when you throw it out there, it looks so natural. They'll just pick it up, and all of a sudden your line will tighten up, and you've got one on. Um, those are my favorite baits. The drop shot is always with the worm, plastic worm. You have to experiment with the colors. Uh, a finesse worm, anywhere from four to six inches. Um the, my two favorites are green pumpkin uh, is number one, and number two would be a uh, green metallic. Uh, they call it a, a bass color um, that, that does quite well on the drop shot. But any kind of little worm is going to get bites because it's weightless uh, above that weight. You jiggle it. It looks so natural they can't stand it, and they'll hit it. Now, do you throw any hard baits at all this time of the year for the bass, sometimes a a popper or maybe even a a rattling crankbait? 
we're just a few weeks early. By the end of the month and uh, first part of June, top water will really kick in well. Top water can work late in the day after the sun has warmed those shallow bays and pockets. You can certainly try top water. Buzz baits would be my number one choice. Uh, but any kind of top water bait that uh, pops on poppers are good sometimes um, is is an excellent presentation. But um, probably my my go-to bait right now, because you still have bass staging, they're not actually all on beds, and they'll come up in waves between now and the middle of June, is a jerk bait still. And I was catching a lot of big fish on jerk baits in the colder water period, but uh, like smallmouth, if you're going to go to Aurora, don't overlook a jerkbait or any or chatfield because it suspends in that 10 to 15 foot window on points, humps, and road beds, and uh, they'll come up and whack it uh, prior to going on beds. Now, speaking of chatfield, I believe Tidelines has a tournament coming up there for bass. Yes, our bass obsession tournament uh, for chatfield is next Saturday. Uh, check in at 5.30 a.m., tournaments from 7 to 3. It's a team tournament, $200 per boat. Uh, if you haven't registered, uh, please give us a call or go to our tightlineoutdoors.com website and sign up. It's a fun event. First place will be $2,100 in cash plus $200 uh, Bass Pro gift card, and uh, it's going to be a blast. It, the timing on this is the fish are beginning to spawn and in uh, the, the uh, pre-stage period. So lots of shallow fish, lots of bass going to be caught in this tournament. Matt, tons and tons of great information. Thank you for joining us. As always, if people want more from you guys, tightlineoutdoors.com and also Tightline Outdoors Facebook. Is that right? That's correct. And you can give us a call at 720-775-7777. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll let you get back on the water. Thanks for joining us this morning. Take care, Terry. You bet. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Smoke Salmon, the secret is in the fire. We're going to go right to the phones, and we are very privileged to be joined by the president of Trout Unlimited, Chris Wood. Good morning, Chris. Hey, Terry, how are you? I'm doing great. And I, are you joining us from Virginia? I know I think that's where you live. I'm, in, I'm actually in Washington, D.C., and uh, I, I'm at my son's uh, Little League baseball game on a beautiful Saturday morning, Saturday well, afternoon for me. And I'm sure you spend a lot of time in Washington, D.C. You know, I think people, um, most people in the industry, of course, obviously know about TU, Trout Unlimited. I think sometimes casual observers, though, look at Trout Unlimited and they think, well, that's a fly fishing organization. I don't know why I would have any interest. But a lot of fly fishermen belong to Trout Unlimited, but you're really a conservation organization. Why don't you tell people more quickly about the mission of Trout Unlimited? Yeah, well, I'd be pleased to, Terry. You know, it's, we, do, we do four basic things at, at TU. All of which make fishing better, but uh, but 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 all of which also make society better. First, we protect the highest quality habitats. These are the rivers and streams that are typically found in your wilderness areas and your roadless areas, the sources of your coldest, cleanest water. And then, because fish need to move in response to floods and fire and drought, uh, we reconnect those river systems to lower elevation areas 
by doing things like uh, taking out obsolete dams or trying to build more flexibility into Western water law. And then finally, the, the last of our uh, sort of biological imperative, if you will, is um, we do more watershed scale restoration around the country than, than really any other organization. Uh, finally, if those three, protecting, reconnecting, and restoring river systems, represents uh, the biological agenda of the organization, the social agenda is, is to figure out how to sustain that work over time. So we make big investments in things like youth education, conservation education for kids, um, training our veterans or helping our veterans to heal through time on the water and fly fishing, and, of course, helping our hundreds of thousands of incredible volunteers um, all around the country. Now, I will tell you right now, um, Chris, that I am a huge advocate of almost all the affinity groups, whether it's Trout Unlimited, the Elk Foundation, uh, BASS, um, and I know everybody's agendas are a little different, but I'm yep. a firm believer that right now we need the voice of all of these outdoor sportsmen's type groups. There are a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that are weighing on our resources. A lot of political and ec and uh, ecological things that are affecting our ability to use the outdoors, our access to resources, maintaining those resources. And I believe it's more important than ever right now for people to find the one that suits them and become part of it and make sure we have a loud voice as um, not only sportsmen, but I always talk when I hear about the green movements, I always say welcome aboard because as sportsmen, fishers and hunters, we've been doing this for decades and it's, it's nice to be joined by other people. That's it. That's it. I mean, there's a, it's interesting, you know, there's, there's declining numbers of hunters in the country. The angling numbers are, have also recently been in decline, although fly fishing numbers are on the rise. But the fact is that there aren't enough people who fish and hunt in this country to ensure that we have the support we need to take care of our land and water. And, and I just I couldn't have said what you said any better, Terry. Find, find the group that suits you best, whether it's Trout Unlimited, whether it's Isaac Walton League, BASS, Turkey Federation, Ducks Unlimited. They all do great, great work. Um, and, and get involved. I mean, you know, you can get involved in multiple ways. One of the cool things about TU is we have 400 chapters all around the country, 300,000 members and supporters. And each of those chapters donates on average of 1,700 hours of community service to the places they live, doing things like teaching kids to fish or doing stream cleanups or more complicated restoration. So if you're a doer and you want to get involved yourself, you want to get your hands dirty, join TU. If, if you don't have the time, but you, you, know, you, you have some extra income that you can uh, spread, spread around a little bit, write a check. There's, there's all kinds of ways to get involved. If you care about things like clean water and you know TU is advocating to protect the Clean Water Act, take five minutes and fill out a petition. We make it really easy for you uh, to take action at tu.org. So there's all kinds of ways that people can get involved in supporting conservation, even if they don't themselves have a lot of time. Now, Chris, um, one of the things I want to go to, and it's probably the poster child for exactly what you're talking about. I know you were recently in Colorado, and Colorado's a state where almost, well, several major drainages originate here. We have virtually no water that flows into Colorado. So we're the headwaters. We're the starting yep. point for a lot of these streams. We're also uh, uh, a state that's go gone through a lot of development for mining, for oil and gas, for 
housing, for uh, building of towns and neighborhoods. Now, I understand we need balance because we need progress. We need to take care of people, but we need to balance that. And sometimes we got to look into the past to find out. I don't think these people were evil in the past, but I think there was an ignorance of what needed to be done. And we're living with that legacy. And I think a great example of that and how the current laws actually can almost inhibit getting this done is the Animus River up in the Durango area. Uh, you've been involved yep. in that. Tell us about that project and what's going on. So the Animus, I think everyone remembers when the Animus flowed yellow a couple of years ago. It was a horrible scene. Um, there were a few abandoned mines uh, that uh, actually a contractor um, for the EPA was working on, and they made a mistake, and, and some of those impoundments of, of toxic tailings Slowed down the animus and turned that river orange and yellow for, for, for a while. Now, I'm happy to say that the long-term damage doesn't seem to be significant, but what played out on the animus on a national scale occurs every day in thousands of creeks and streams across Colorado and other parts of the West. And, and as you pointed out, Terry, these are, these are so-called legacy mines. These are mines where... The owners are long dead, they're long gone, and they sit there on the landscape like ticking time bombs, uh, waiting to release this toxic brew of cadmium, zinc, lead, arsenic, and other uh, toxins that are horrible for fish and they're horrible for people too. And, and so I've, I've, I've often likened TU as the uh, patron saint of forgotten environmental causes because Cleaning up abandoned mines is one of those. And part of the challenge we have is that there's really two challenges. Uh, one is uh, we don't have a dedicated funding source to clean up these mines. So whenever we do projects, and we've done dozens of these now around the country, we have to beg, borrow, and steal to raise the resources to clean these up. And, and we've, uh, the second uh, challenge I'll mention is that, and, and you referred to this a second ago, Two of the really important laws in this country, the Superfund law and the clean water law, both of which are really important for holding polluters accountable and then keeping rivers clean, unfortunately, they provide a really profound disincentive for groups like TU or local communities to get involved in this cleanup because we become liable um, once we touch that pollution. And, you know, the government could potentially come after us, even though that's unlikely, but we could be subject to citizen suits, uh, lawsuits. So it, we're, we're working really hard with um, the mining industry, with the Forest Service, with the state of Colorado, a whole bunch of other partners to try to change um, those laws and allow for something called Good Samaritan legislation. And, and, and essentially what that legislation would do is say, if you had nothing to do with the historic mining, right, you're just literally a Good Samaritan, um, and you see... Uh, you find a toxic mine that you want to clean up, then as long as you do what you're supposed to do per the EPA or the state, you won't be held liable um, in the long run. It's a hugely important law, and I think this may be the year, after 15 years of working on this, Terry, I think I honestly think this may be the year that we get it. Now, we're going to run out of time here, Chris, so how can the people of Colorado get involved and support this effort? So it's really easy. Just go to tu. Dot org, and you'll see uh, 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 there's a, uh, a take action button on the top left of the page. Click on that, and there's a series of issues that you can notify your representative, your member of Congress, and your governor about. 
One of them is Good Samaritan legislation. So just go ahead and click on that. We make it easy. We, we know where your computer is, so it'll set you up to contact your representative and your governor. And, you know, those little things make a big difference. They really do. Well, I can tell you that I've been involved with pushing to get some funding for Colorado Parks and Wildlife the last couple of years. And when people speak, they do listen. I mean, you've got to get enough voices. Don't think that they won't listen to me because all of a sudden you call and five of your friends call. And trust me, these people want to get reelected. Their ears are, are tuned. We're in an election year. This is the time to go. Chris, I need to get you back on soon, and we need to spend more time on a lot of these type of issues. But uh, any quick last comment, and then we got to let you go. No, I, Terry, I, I, I have been a longtime admirer and fan of you and your show, and I will be available at any Saturday, hopefully without the noise of a baseball game in the background next time. <laughs> well, we're on, we're on location here, so nobody heard that, so we're doing good. Thank you, Chris. Excellent. All right, Terry, That's, you take care. Bye-bye. That's Chris Wood from... Uh, uh, president of Trout Unlimited. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. I am broadcasting live from Adventure Camper. I am broadcasting live from Adventure Camper. Uh, we're just a stone's throw from Broncos Training Camp. Best way to find us is go to AdventureCamper.com. There's a Google map right in there. Jordan and Arapahoe would be the closest main intersection, but we're a little bit off of that. Uh, we have swag to give away. We got T-shirts and cups, and we got uh, lanyards, and we you can register. If you get here by noon, you can register for Dave Matthews tickets. In the meantime, I'm going to stay till uh, even when I'm done, I'm going to stay because there's free food. I'm going to stay and eat. So come on down and say hi. I'll be here at least till 1. I've got some fly fishing books to give away. Nobody's come in yet. Come in, find Karen. She's in the orange t-shirt. Tell him you heard Brad Peterson's here, and we'll have a book for you. And uh, along with that, Brad's going to be doing seminars till about 3 o'clock. He's got 1 o'clock fishing Rocky Mountain National Park and 2 o'clock fishing waters and great deals on campers here. You can't beat the deals. And the biggest thing, Hawk Quest is setting up over here. And they're going to have a bald eagle. Is that right? And we're going to sit and it's going to sit on my shoulder and carry me away. Okay, that's I'm too heavy. It wouldn't carry me away. But it's going to be you're going to get up close and personal with four birds of prey. And they're going to be starting at noon, so you got to get down here. Just Google Adventure Camper. Let's go to the phone right now. And speaking of adventure, this young fisherman goes through adventures every day, but he's a great resource for this show. Austin Parr, good morning. How are you, Terry? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great because you're with uh, uh, Discount Tackle down on Santa Fe, and we just wanted to get an update from you because I know you've been on the water, and you know we cover all topics on this show, but... If you're not out fishing right now, this time of the year, you should take up bowling. Yeah, this is truly, if you're going to be a fisherman in this state, particularly a warm water fisherman, this is the time to hit. I've been out every single day this week, and, and our, our local metro bodies of water are just absolutely lighting on fire. Um, at Turn Creek especially, a lot of the crops are starting to move up shallow. Uh, we're seeing a water temperature of about 64 degrees out there. Some of the walleyes are in a little bit deeper water, and the lead core bite has been absolutely outstanding. But I, I imagine over the next day, particularly night, the sun's out a little bit out there. Uh, you know, we're going to see those walleyes follow those crappies right up into those shallows. 
Now, I know the walleyes. Now, one thing I want to talk to people, we're heading into what we call the summer peak. We're not there yet. And as we do, you're going to see less and less big fish, but you're going to see the numbers of fish you can catch just skyrocket. And people will think, well, if I keep catching these 15 inches, eventually I'll get a 20 inch. That may not be the case, but this time of the year, it kind of still is the case. There's a few big females with them, and there's enough of those larger, aggressive males. If you catch enough fish, you could do that. But what I really want to on is the crappies. People ask me all the time, and Colorado actually has a number of lakes with great crappie fishing, and I think Cherry Creek gets overlooked. What are you seeing with the crappies? How are you finding them and catching them at Cherry Creek? So out of Cherry Creek, we're seeing over 75% of the crappies are white crappies. There's a few blacks that are mixed in, um, but those white crappies really thrive out in that body of water that lacks a lot of you know, good brush pile type structure. So there's a few trees that are left out in the main basin, but you know, a lot of those white crappies will suspend and, and they'll, they'll eat. They're, they're shot eaters and they in a big way. And these crappies right now, so typically they like to spawn roughly around the, the 63 to 64 degree temperature. And we're seeing a lot of the male crappies move up right now. So you can really tell a difference. Although there are a white crappie, they will turn a dark black and almost purple type color. And, and they're, they're moving up right now. I'm finding them in about eight to 10 feet of water. A few fish rub shallower in, in about six but blade baits have been my my best tactic to, to catch those fish so a johnson thin fisher i've said it for years and 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 that, that bait will literally catch any fish that swims in this state but those thin fishers have been really really solid but we've also been having a lot of success you know finding some fish on on uh, structure and casting minnows and slip bobbers on them now uh, the sonar is is as usual it's it's important when you're out there in the boat but there's a lot of gizzard shad that are up spawning right now, too. And if you're not careful, you can be fooled into to fishing an area that you think is full of fish, but it's really just gizzard shad down there. So if you're not catching fish, move around. You find those crappies. They are biting in a big way. Did I ever tell you? I'm going to tell you real quick because we got to move on. But my crappie story, my dentist, his uh, his hygienist that did the cleaning was single and she had some little kids he wanted to take them fishing so i'd been out at cherry creek i used to live by the lake around this time of the year and i had scraped out maybe three or four crappies a couple walleyes and what is those trips where i got a fish here fish there wasn't that great but but so i told him i said well go over to this one buoy it's in about this much water because not that that the buoy was holding him but that was a location and i said and just cast some little jigs so he called me the next day. He goes, you're phenomenal. We caught a crappie on every cast. Going, oh, well, I couldn't. So, but, yeah. But, so, yeah, but, but, you know, it just shows you that it's going to be hit and miss. But, boy, the information to get you started helps. Got about one minute left. If you were going to head out for one fishing trip tomorrow, where would you go? You know, I've been mentioning Cherry Creek. It's been fishing really well. But something right now that you might not have talked about, but we're seeing a lot of caddis that are coming up on the Arkansas River. And although you might see... You know, a little, uh, little bit of crowds out there. Uh, you know, the caddis are popping off in the higher water, and you could catch a lot of fish on the fly down there at the moment. If people want more information, where do they find you, Austin? Well, I'm, I'm down at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're just south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe, 2645 South Santa Fe Drive. Um, or my phone number is 303-514-5546. All right, my friend. We'll get you on for a longer segment soon because it's getting to be that time of the year. Absolutely, Terry. Well, I appreciate you squeezing me in today. That's Austin Parr, and let's go right back to the phones. And uh, joining us are some of our good friends from the Honey Smoked Fish Company. And um, I believe Sky- is Skyler with us today? Yes, sir. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing? You know, I thought about you earlier, Skyler. I'm out at Adventure Camper. We're broadcasting live. And, you know, more and more people are camping year-round 
and these campers have refrigerators in them. Well, the nice thing about Honey Smoke Fish Company smoked salmon, it keeps for like 90 days or something in a refrigerator. What a great food to throw in the refrigerator to that camper. You come in, before you start, have it for breakfast, or when you get back, just sitting around the campfire at the end of the day, get that recharge. Wouldn't that be awesome? Absolutely. It's quick, simple, it's fully cooked, ready to eat right out of the package. And even if you don't have a refrigeration system in a camper, I like to, when I go backpacking, I just put an ice pack, put up against the ice pack and um, tightly in a bag, and it will last for hours. But the problem for me is it doesn't last for hours because I eat it right away. It tastes too good. Absolutely. Put on your your crackers, put in your uh, pasta dishes, your salads, make a beautiful sandwich out of it on the go. Like I mentioned, quick, simple, ready to eat, and you're also getting the great nutritional benefits out of it. Well, yeah, it's it's a it's a super food. I mean, my doctor's already told me to eat more protein, less carbs. Well, okay, that means more honey smoked salmon. Um, it it's it's got it's well, you it, it go on and on about the health benefits of it. And I could talk, and we talk about it all the time, being a superfood. But I'll I'll tell you what, to me, the reason I eat it because I'm not that well disciplined is because I like it so much. Absolutely, and so people ask me what makes it a superfood because it's. Rich in omega-3s. We lock it in as, as opposed to drying out. It all comes down to the secret firing system. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you this, Skyler. If people would just try one package of honey-smoked fish, I put this out there all the time. And if you don't like it, get a hold of me because I'll tell you right now that it is, it is just incredibly fantastic. Where can they find it, Skyler? They can find it in Costco, Sam's Club, Safeway, Sprouts, and now Walmart. One bite, you will be hooked. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Terry. Have a good one. Bye. You bet. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company. Smoked salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We are broadcasting live from Adventure Camper. We'll be wrapping that up here in about 10 minutes, but I'm going to stick around for an hour or so, mainly because there's free food. You can get free food here, too, if you come by, and I'm just going to get my share before it's all gone. But there's going to be so much going on. Uh, Brad Peterson is going to be here the rest of the day. And at 1 o'clock, he's doing a fishing seminar on Rocky Mountain National Park. And at 2 o'clock, he's doing one at Fishing New Waters. Brad is a counselor within Fisherman's Camp Fish. He's a local angler who's done extremely well in tournaments, a very uh, knowledgeable and accomplished angler. He can really help your game. Uh, Hawk Quest is setting up over here, and they've got two of the birds in here now. So we're going to have, I, I understand we're going to have a bald eagle and a peregrine falcon and a couple other birds. And if you've never been up close and personal with these birds of prey, it is just unbelievable. You're going to get right right in the comfort zone of these birds and closer than you ever could. And they're going to be here till I think, I think 4 o'clock, I think Hawk Quest from 2 to 4. So you need to stop by and see them. And then in addition to that, of course, they have the great sales on campers and things going on. But I'll stick around, come in and say hi. But let's go to the phones right now. And joining us, as he does every other week, from the Fishful Thinker, Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Terry Wickstrom. You staying dry down there? Yeah, it's nice down here. It's not raining. It's The uh, sun peaks out every now and then. It's a little cool, but it's it's perfect. We still getting rain up north? 
Yeah, it's been raining all day, kind of off and on and drizzling pretty much most of the morning up here. So it's a wet one up in northern Colorado, but it's good to hear you got some decent weather down there. Yeah, it is. It's really good. And by the way, I didn't tell people the best. We're located by Arapaho and Jordan Road right now. Just uh, Google Adventure Camper, and there's a map there. But, Ronnie, my note says you want to talk about uh, sometimes you have to slow way down to catch more fish. So if I'm slowing, yes. yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, Terry, so uh, – you know, after eight years of guiding now, you know, there's a lot of things that you learn being a guide. And one of the things that I see day in and day out with new clients is that it's very, very difficult to get people to slow down when that's what you need to do. And there's a lot of times where certain presentations and certain times of year when the bite is a certain way that you have to work these presentations really, really slow, Terry. And it's very hard to kind of get people to grasp that concept until you get them out of the boat and you really drill them on it but there's a lot of times where i really need my clients to slow way way down doing what they're doing terry oh you're absolutely right and you know there's different i don't know whether it's a soft plastic or a jerk bait uh sometimes you just really have to give the fish time to react and there's reaction bites and there's feeding bites and when you have to slow down you're usually looking at a feeding bite ronnie yeah, Terry, you know, you know, we catch a lot of fish throughout the year on a jig-type presentation up here in northern Colorado, uh, be it a tube jig or a gulp minnow or a gulp leech or a grub or, a, you know, a lot of different things, creature baits, things like that at Boyd. Uh, there's a lot of times where the bite, is really about dragging that presentation as slow as you can do it, Terry, or it's about reeling that presentation along as slow as you can move it without it falling all the way down to the bottom and getting snagged. And, you know, so there's a lot of things that I impart to my clients to try to teach them this thing. You know, it's a real eye-opener a lot of times, Terry, when, when I tell my clients, you know, you got to really, really slow down. One of the things I explain to them is that the line recovery rate on the reel that they're using is very important to understand. Uh, those pin fears, two spinning reels that I guide with a lot up here, Terry, uh, they eat anywhere from 30 to 32 inches of line per turn of the handle. And that's something that people don't think about a lot of the times, Terry. You know, I hand them a tube jig. I tell them that we need to drag this presentation along the bottom. And I look over, and they're just, you know, reeling away and ripping their rod tip up and trying to bounce that thing along. And the reality is they're nowhere near the bottom to begin with, and they're certainly not dragging it. And so once I explain to them, you know, every time you turn that handle, that tube jig that is sitting on the bottom is going to move two and a half to three feet. Uh, then they start thinking about it. Well, okay, wait a minute. I've been flipping this thing or, or spinning this handle three times every time I'm trying to move it, and that's moving that thing, you know, nine feet every time I spin that thing three times. So that's important to understand with a lot of presentations that you got to really, really slow down. Um, with the jig presentation, a lot of times we're doing kind of a lift and drag type presentation with the rod, Terry, and that's another thing to understand that when you start your rod tip, let's say your rod is at the 3 o'clock position. It's basically pointed straight out. And you lift that thing to about 11.30 or 12 o'clock. When you do that, Terry, it doesn't seem like you're moving that presentation very far. But in reality, if you, if you do that on dry land and you watch how far that drags that presentation just by moving your rod tip from 3 to 12, you're actually moving that, that little bait down there on the bottom maybe 5 to 7 feet just by lifting that thing up like that. And so you combine that with reeling up that line and moving that rod, you're really moving that thing a lot faster than you might think you are. And that's, that's key 
a lot of times, Terry. A lot of times you will not get the bites unless you slow that presentation way, way down. You know, with tube jigs, especially, Terry, uh, you know, a lot of those tube jigs are, are kind of designed to emulate a crawdad or something like that moving along the bottom. And so when I start talking to clients, I, you know, I say, have you ever seen a, a crawfish in the wild as it crawls along the bottom? Um, and then they start thinking about, well, yeah, it doesn't move very fast, does it? And no, it kind of crawls along, and then every now and then it may you know, dart off a foot or two and then get back down to the bottom and then crawl along. That's what we're trying to emulate a lot of times, Terry. So it's important for people to think about that, that they need to slow down a lot of times, Terry. And there's a lot of other presentations that that's the case as well, Terry. You know, we, we do a lot of drop shot fishing. I, I love to fish drop shots on horse dude for smallmouth and for walleyes. And inevitably, when I hand somebody a drop shot rod that's never used one before, you know, once that presentation gets down to the bottom, they start bouncing the rod tip around the whole heck of a lot. They start lifting it up and reeling a whole bunch, and they're really moving that thing a lot, you know, around a whole bunch. And it's very, very difficult at times to get people to slow down and understand that drop shot, it's going to shine when it's sitting dead still there on the bottom. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to suspend that presentation, uh, you know, a foot or two up off the bottom and keep it very, very still. That's what they want when that presentation is working. That's what you're trying to do. That's the reason they're biting the drop shot when they're biting it, Terry, is because they don't want a lot of action. They don't want it darting along very, very fast. They want something that's sitting suspended there dead still. That's when they're going to come up and bite that drop shot. And, you know, and so that's one of the things, Terry. It's very difficult for people to grasp that, but if they kind of think about those concepts, it will definitely improve your catch rate, especially as we get into summer here, Terry. All right. Now, we're going to run out of time. If people want to um, learn these techniques, one of the best way would be to book you guys as guides at fishfulthinker.com. But take 30 seconds, and the weather's supposed to get better this week. If you were going to go fishing one place during the next week, where would you go? Well, the rivers are fishing really, really good right now, Terry, so it's kind of hard to beat those as far as looking for a lot of action and catching trout. A gulp minnow on a jig head's really, really producing up there. There's no doubt about it. The lakes here in northern Colorado, they're all starting to warm up really good. Boyd is fishing excellent. We've had some really good trips out here lately on Boyd Lake. Uh, the grass is starting to grow in all around that lake, and the bass are definitely relating to that kind of stuff. Horse tooth, the fishing is very, very good. I was out last night, Terry, and I had no problem running through a whole bunch of smallmouth, and I caught some really nice walleyes along the way as well. Uh, all the fish are active right now, so you know it's not really that you're going to pick a spot and have bad luck right now. If you're not catching fish on any of these bodies of water, you're either not in the right depth, or you're not fishing the right cover, or you're not fishing the right speed. You may be fishing too fast or fishing too slow. So those are all the things. I think it's really just about getting out right now, Terry. You're going to catch fish pretty much anywhere you go. Yep, we got to run, but speaking of getting out, I'm around next week. I expect to be casting from the deck of that new Ranger. Yes, Terry, let's get you out on a brand-new Ranger Z81, and we'll have a lot of fun. Maybe a trip to Boyd, Terry. All right, sounds great, Ronnie. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. You have a good one. Yeah, that's Ronnie Castellone. We're going to wrap things up. A couple of things I want to tell you. First of all, if you miss seeing me at this remote, I am going to be doing another remote next week. I'm going to be at Pioneer Sand. Uh, it's a landscaping company. We're going to be broadcasting live. It's at 11010 Irma Drive in North Glen next week. We'll post that on our Facebook page. So we want you to go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and Facebook and find out where we're at. Hawk Quest just set up here. I'm going to stick around for an hour. We're at Adventure Camper. 
you need to get out here and join us. We're going to be here for another hour. So this is going to go on for like two, three more hours. they got great camper sales. Hawk Quest is here. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is here. There's free food. Brad Peterson is doing seminars. Just Google um, adventurecamper.com and get down here and join us. Join us every Saturday morning from 10 to noon on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and more sports on 104.3 The Fan.